Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary, void, or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. It's wintertime. When temperatures go down, the likelihood goes up that your furnace and other appliances go down with them. So don't risk a costly replacement. Stay comfortable with coverage on the appliances you depend on most with the Service Guard Appliance Repair Program from Black Hills Energy. It's peace of mind in a plan. Visit blackhillsenergy.com slash sign up to learn more. Get enhanced security for your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. And welcome back to the MD Fantasy Football Show. As always, I'm your host, Dan Mater, bringing you the Week 13 Recap Part 2 today. We'll be going over the 4 o'clock, the Sunday night, and the Monday night games. Of course, going over any injury news from those games as well. Hopefully, you guys listened to yesterday's podcast, the Week 13 Recap Part 1, because I had the waiver wire segment on there because most of you listened to that Tuesday morning. I want to make sure, of course, you get the top waiver wire ads before your waiver claims conclude, obviously. So that's why I put it on that one. So make sure you listen to that podcast if you have not as we go into week 14 to start the first round of the playoffs in the fantasy world. Such an exciting time for this time of the year. I love it. It's Thanksgiving. It's Christmas. But more importantly, it's the fantasy playoffs. So listen to that episode or any other episodes www.mdfantasyfootball.podbean.com also available on iTunes, Radio Public, Simplecast, anywhere you go for your podcast needs the MD Fantasy Football Show is available for you. So of course we don't want to bury the lead here. There is a lot of news going on outside of the what happened the games what happened today, outside of the game that happened yesterday. Uh, of course the first thing we want to talk about here is C.J. Anderson was signed by the Oakland Raiders. Why? Because I guess they didn't have enough mouths to feed in that backfield. I have no idea. Like it's absolutely ridiculous that they signed C.J. Anderson when they've been running when they haven't been able to make up their own minds as far as what they want want their running back situation to be as is anyway with Doug Martin and Jalen Richard and then trying to sprinkle in Dwayne Washington for absolutely no reason at all. And now you're going to sign C.J. Anderson after he did not get get signed by the Kansas City Chiefs because they re-signed Sharkhandrick West. Made a lot of sense for them to go that route. He already knows the playbook quite well. It's just going to be him and Damian Williams backing up Spencer Ware in this game. We're going to talk about that game uh, in a little bit as we recap through what we ex- what we saw out of Ware, what we can expect out of that offense moving forward, of course, as well. Uh, in other news, things that we already kind of knew were going to happen. A.J. Green officially put on IR. Greg Olson was officially put on IR. And then the James Conner situation, we're going to talk about that because we're also recapping that game tonight in this podcast later on as well. So like I said, the four o'clock, the Sunday night, the Monday night games, all the injury news and analysis that comes with those matchups here in this podcast. So let's go ahead and get started. And the game we're going to kick off the week 13 recap part two with is 
that Oakland Raider and Kansas City Chief game in this one. Very much an unexpected game in a sense that the Raiders put up 33 points. Then we know the Kansas City defense is not very good. But the Oakland Raider offense had borderline looked JV squad-esque. Could they even take on a college team type of bad before playing against the Kansas City Chiefs in this one. So it was definitely surprising this game A came down to the wire because the Raiders came all the way back and actually made this a ball game at the end here, only losing 40-33 to in this one. Derek Carr was 29-38, of 285 yards, actually had three touchdowns, finally had three passing touchdowns, no interceptions in this game, played his by far the best game of his of the year. Uh, for him, Jalen Richard only had six carries, but broke a couple of big gashers at uh, 95 yards. Didn't have a rushing touchdown, but did tackle on an extra three catches for 31 yards on four targets in the receiving game. Meanwhile, Doug Martin, for the second week in a row, finds pay dirt. Uh, once against the Baltimore, and now once here against the Chiefs. 18 carries, 61 yards with that touchdown. Once again, getting some goal line work. And instead of the Raiders trying to get cute and use play action and do all that, they just gave they just got out of the way and gave him the ball. Something to keep in mind now that with a little bit of a hot streak and having success, now they've been giving him the ball in those situations. It will be curious to see if that continues. Keep in mind, though, they did sign C.J. Anderson, as we talked about to start off the show. So... I don't know what that means for Doug Martin. I don't know how quickly C.J. Anderson is going to get involved in the offense as well. You figure he still has to take time to learn the playbook. But why they made the signing of C.J. Anderson at this point in the season with their season loss and a guy who is very much a veteran and you have nothing but veterans surrounding your team is really truly the question. Is this a tryout for next year? Could he possibly, could they possibly be looking at C.J. Anderson as a guy they might want to start next year? Uh, it's all very, very incredibly confusing. The only thing I could say to you is that other than Jalen Richard being the primary passing down back and maybe having some value in PPR leagues as a low-end flex play in that regard, I don't know if you can trust anything out of the Oakland Raiders backfield. Now, I do, like I said, I do think it'll take at least a week for CJ Anderson to get too involved with the playbook. But after this week, I think all bets are off, and we could be seeing C.J. Anderson and Doug Martin and DeAndre Washington and Jalen Richard. Who in the hell knows? The point is, if you're in the playoffs, pretty much you can go ahead and drop all Oakland Raider running backs, as even if you have no idea which one of them will be able to do something. With the way the Raiders have played and their emphasis on the run game as of late, they're going to get some points like Doug Martin. Had, like I said, Doug Martin has scored the last two weeks, but nothing you're going to be able to trust. Now they even added a fourth person to what was already a nightmare trio to begin with going into each week. Jared Cook here at seven catches for 100 yards and a touchdown on eight targets. He continues to be a tight end one week in and week out. He's still the most reliable pass catcher that the Raiders have. Even though in this game, Jordy Nelson actually led the way in targets with 11, had 10 catches, 97 yards. Still nothing of note as far as fantasy value goes. Marcel Aitman went from being the most targeted wide receiver that they had to only getting Two four targets in this game, excuse me, but only two catches for 16 yards. Just happens to get a touchdown after he wasn't able to do that over the past couple of weeks when he was getting all that volume in the first place. Look, as far as the Raiders go, Jared Cook is the only fantasy player worth talking about moving forward, uh, and he's not going to be available in your waiver wires or anything like that, but he is the only guy you can be able to trust at the tight end position from the Oakland Raiders. Everybody else, to me, deserves to be on the waiver wire now that we are in the playoff time. They have no value. On the Chiefs side of the ball, your studs were your studs. Patrick Mahomes, 23 of 38, 295 yards, four passing touchdowns, gets to that 40 touchdown on the season mark. No interceptions in this game. Also tacked on 52 yards rushing as he just continues to be incredible in what was a good matchup here. Now, the main story on the Chiefs that you want to talk about is Spencer Ware. He had 14 carries, 47 yards, touchdown. Wasn't incredibly efficient. Damian Williams did break a 17-yarder in this game. So did Spencer Ware, but he all had five carries for 30 
38 yards, was much more efficient when he was able to touch the ball. Now, he was still only in there at to spell Spencer Ware. It wasn't a split. It wasn't a committee. Them re-signing Sharkandrick West doesn't suddenly make that a committee either. It's just they needed to add another body to the depth chart, and they wanted to take on they wanted to take on somebody who already knows the playbook, so they don't have to waste time with that. With them being in the middle of a playoff run, uh, clinching the playoffs, of course, but in a situation where they are trying to volley for home field advantage in the playoffs, so they don't want to waste any time trying to get guys immersed into the playbook. This was a, that was an easy sign to add depth, but it's not somebody who I think is going to come in and take away passing down work from Spencer Ware or split with him in any kind of capacity. I do think Sharkandrick West might see some work on passing downs, but it won't be in a situation where that's his role necessarily. Uh, I do think they like Spencer Ware a lot. They like him pass protecting, even if he's not going to be prolific coming out of the backfield, catching the ball. They still like him in there, back there in pass protection. Uh, and of course, with the big body that he had, you got a couple goal line carries in this game that score. He's going to get those opportunities. He's not Kareem Hunt, and I'm, I you know, I know I'm not. I know I'm blowing your hair back with that analysis right there that Spencer Ware is not Kareem Hunt. But he has been effective in the past. He's been a very high-end RB2 in the past when given the opportunity to do so. Uh, It was a little disappointing that he wasn't more efficient in this matchup against the Raiders because it was a very nice matchup for him. Now, having said that, it wasn't until Friday that they were game-planning as Spencer Ware being the starting running back either. So that could have part to do with it as well. Of course, next week they go to play Baltimore Ravens. It's not going to be an easy matchup at all in your first round of the playoffs. So something to keep in mind there. We'll talk about that on Thursday when we do the full Week 14 preview. Remember, I'll talk about it later on the show as well before I leave you. But Remember, I'm not going to be around on Friday, so I am doing a full uh, preview week 14 on Thursday this week. So it'll only be one start segment, but remember, at MDFF Show on Twitter and on Facebook uh, with your questions, and I will most likely, I will definitely answer your questions, uh, whatever they may be, but I will also have a good chance to put you, put your question on the show itself as well. So keep that in mind at MDFF Show on Facebook and on Twitter. Uh, Travis Kelsey in this game 12 catches, 168 yards, two touchdowns, 13 targets. At first, I was a little bit worried because that first drive when they got into the goal line situation, uh, they looked to pass right away. They didn't even give the the ball to Spencer Ware on that first drive at all, and they went right to Travis Kelsey. He really cleaned up. Sammy Watkins continues to miss this game here, which was expected coming out of the bye, being that he was still earlier in the week talking about how he still has foot soreness and everything like that. So, he came in. Tyree Kill was not very involved in this game. He did have 37 rushing yards, but only had six targets in this game, less than half of what Travis Kelsey had, and only had one catch for 13 yards. But Travis Kelsey was just so dominant in this game that other than Patrick other than Patrick Mahomes taking a couple of shots down the field to Tyreek Hill, he didn't get him that involved. He didn't look for him quite as much as he normally does. Chris Conley had seven targets in this game, three catches, 25 yards, did wind up getting a touchdown to go with it, but he continues to be pretty heavily involved with no Sammy Watkins in the lineup. There was Demetrius Harris, also had six targets in this game, three catches, 39 yards, and a touchdown, but not anybody who I'm going to be looking to pick up or taking note of moving forward. The one thing I will say is Chris Conley may be a boomer bust wide receiver three play with Sammy Watkins out of the lineup because he's getting targeted enough. And if the defense of the Chiefs are going to be giving up 33 points to teams like the Oakland Raiders, uh, they may be in a shootout situation every single week. We'll see, though. Eric Berry may be back soon. We'll see if that changes the Chiefs defense in any kind of way moving forward. All right, our next game up here, we got the Jets and we have the Titans. Josh McCown was 17 of 30, 128 yards, no touchdowns, one pick continues to be a shell of that one really great journeyman year that he had, uh, which is what most journeyman quarterbacks do. They'll have a year where all of a sudden they look like they're competent NFL starters and everything clicked, and then they come back down to reality like, oh, that's right, that's why you've been a backup and a journeyman quarterback for the most of your career. You're not that good. Isaiah Crowell had 21 carries for 98 yards. This was kind of a reemergence here for Isaiah Crowell as he had been pretty much fantasy dead for, I want to say, the past month or so for the most part. 
Uh, coming back here, Elijah McGuire has been stealing a lot of work. In this game, Elijah McGuire only gets six carries for 19 yards, while Trenton Cannon got four carries for 18 yards. Now, McGuire and Cannon figure to be more involved in the passing side of things, but they haven't been getting so much work rushing-wise that Corral had really been kind of getting left out more and more. I still don't know if you're really going to be trusting Crowell to just play the Bills next week, so we'll have, we'll we'll talk about that when we get into the preview matchup on Thursday. But this isn't going to be something where I'm like, oh, maybe they're going to go back to giving Isaiah Crowell the ball 20-some times. Remember, this is a game where the Jets were actually in this game, something that hasn't been happening, happening very often as of late as well, where they haven't been playing the entire second half just trying to throw the ball from shotgun, trying to come back, which has a lot to do with why Isaiah Crowell has kind of fall, fallen off the planet for the past couple of uh, weeks. But it was nice to see that he is still somebody who is on the team, and in fact there, and in fact uh, part of that offense. So something to keep in mind. As far as the passing game of the Jets, look, there's nobody you're trusting anyway. We've already, the train left the building a long time ago on Quincy and Nunez. He only has two catches for nine yards on six targets in this game. Uh, the only guy you're really looking at here was Chris Ternan. Uh, he had two catches, 31 yards, and six targets. As a tight end, you're just looking for somebody who might be getting some volume, possibility to score. It's what he had kind of been for the past few weeks here. Doesn't do much in this game. Wasn't a great matchup against the Tennessee Titans. They have been pretty good against the tight ends in general this season. So it's not something that was going to be completely unexpected. I still think he's a very low-end streaming option, but an option nonetheless as he's shown he has the athletic ability and does get targeted enough to where that volume could be considered uh, for red zone opportunities as a tight end when you're only looking for basically a touchdown to get the worth that you need uh, for your matchups each and every week anyway. On the Titans' side of the ball, Marcus Mariota, 20 of 35, 282 yards, two touchdowns, only one pick, also tacked on 43 yards rushing. He continues to be a consistent streaming quarterback that you can go to in the playoffs. He's he's giving you it like 20 to 40 yards rushing pretty much every game, which is a nice two to four points that he's tacking on. But he's been throwing the ball well and throwing it with production. He's been going over 300 yards. In this game, he gets 282, but he has two touchdown passes. He's been more effective, more aggressive. He's been on a hot streak as of late. He is somebody who, in the right matchup, you can feel confident in streaming and getting 20 points out of uh, and in your playoff run if you've been streaming quarterbacks all year long and you haven't fallen upon a week-to-week QB1, then he is somebody you could look at, and I think you could trust playing that he's going to get you a very high floor as a streaming option at quarterback in your playoff runs. Derrick Henry here, 10 carries, 40 yards, a touchdown. He's, this is the third week in a row where he's out-carried Deion Lewis. It looks like it's now bounced back the other way to Derrick Henry, who's more of the rusher. Deion Lewis is still the guy involved in the passing game at the end of the day, although in this one he wasn't that involved. Uh, only three targets for two catches and negative two yards, while Derrick Henry, though, only had two targets, two catches, five yards. But it was an odd game in that sense. Uh, They didn't have to go to Deion Lewis in the passing game as much, but it looks like more and more Derrick Henry is suddenly taking over as the cold weather sets in, as the season prolongs, and as the Tennessee Titans, quite frankly, get closer and closer competing for a wild card spot right now in the AFC. So something to take note of. I don't know how much you're trusting Derrick Henry. He doesn't have a very high ceiling uh, moving forward, and this game shows that as to why he just doesn't get enough of that work. He's not that prolific. He's not that efficient with the touches that he does get that you could trust him as an RB2 or a flex play. He's somebody who doesn't belong on the waiver wire as far as your playoff team goes, but I I don't know if he's somebody who you're going to play as your flex play and think you can expect big things out of in playoff matchups where you need all the points that you can possibly get. For uh, for the receiving game here, Corey Davis, seven targets, three catches, 42 yards. That gets you the touchdown here. So the second week in a row where he's able to score you a touchdown, uh, he continues to be a high-end wide receiver three, slowly working his way into the consistency of being a low-end wide receiver two. I know what you're saying. Well, there's no time to be working your way into anything right now. We are in the playoffs. It's now or never. I agree. He is a top-end wide receiver three right now. Uh, in the right matchup, of course, moving forward as well, depending on what you have. Taewon Taylor did have three catches for 104 yards on five targets in this game, but I don't see how he's anybody who'd be considering for your playoff rosters for fantasy football as well either. So 
that pretty much kind of wraps up that game anyway. Not much else to go over. We have a lot of fantasy implications for our next game, which is the Vikings and the Patriots, though. It was kind of a lower scoring game. 24 to 10 New England Patriots over the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, the Patriots defense was really what impressed me the most in this game as they were able to they were a, they were able to limit the production of the Vikings because all of your big players that you were depending on to play on a week to week basis, the volume was all there like you look for it to be, but the production was not quite up to snuff. And this is a Pedro Stevens that has been playing better and has been playing especially better at home, but hasn't shown anything dominant. And this was a borderline dominant performance. Look, Kirk Cousins threw the ball 44 times, completed it for 30, for 32 passes. That's a pretty good mark. Usually that means Kirk Cousins threw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns, but in this game, 201 yards, one touchdown pass, two interceptions. Same goes for Dalvin Cook, 84 yards, but on nine carries, didn't touch the ball that much, did show why he's explosive. And to reiterate the point that I was making last week whenever I was talking about, oh, is it a split between Dalvin Cook and Latavius Murray? Latavius Murray only had four carries in this game. It is only going to be in situations where the Vikings are up and trying to close the game out of the fourth quarter that Latavius Murray is going to get extra work. Otherwise, it's Dalvin Cook's backfield. And that was shown even more so in the passing game. He didn't get a ton of yards, but he, Dalvin Cook had 10 targets in this game, tied with Adam Thielen for the most on the team, had eight catches to go with it, but just only had 22 yards. Every time he had the ball, he wasn't able to get out in the open space. He was brought down pretty much immediately when making the catch. Usually, if Dalvin Cook gets the ball in his hands eight times on the perimeter in the passing game, he's going to go for a hell of a lot more than 22 yards. So better days are ahead, but you like to see, if you have Dalvin Cook in your teams and you're going into the playoffs, you like to see the fact that he was involved in the way that you'd want him to be in involved at the end of the day he had 17 touches usually 17 touches for Dalvin Cook is going to mean much bigger things than what you got out of him and even in this game he still got you 10 points in standard leagues 18 points in PPR so you're not going to be complaining about that too much you like the volume of work I like his prospects moving forward here as you use him for your playoff run Adam Thielen we talked about he had 10 targets only he had five catches but only 28 yards did get you the touchdown in this game and then Stephon Diggs He actually led the way for receiving yards. Five targets only, five catches, 49 yards. He usually gets more than five targets in this game. They were able to bottle him up as well, even though he led the team in yardage. Just wasn't able to break free for most of the game as the Patriots played really good contained defense on all of the explosive stars of the Vikings offense. Now, the Vikings defense didn't do a terrible job here either, but the Patriots offense got a lot of players involved. Let's start off with Brady. He was 24 of 32, 311 yards. It was good to see him to finally go over 300 yards passing. He hadn't done that in a while. Only one passing touchdown, though, and also did have an interception. But then as we get into the rest of this here, this is what I'm talking. And I don't mean to gloss over Brady, but I kind of suspect that Brady will, especially at home, will be fine. But also moving forward as the weather gets colder, starts to change, his knee starts to feel a little bit better. His knee looked a little bit better to me in this game. He looked like he stepped into his throws a little bit more than he had in previous weeks. So he looks like he may be getting a little a little more healthy. If that winds up being the case, Brady can very much turn the corner here and relatively soon. So that's why I don't want to gloss over him too much. But I want to get to the main point of the Patriots getting a lot of people involved. Look at the rushing game. Sony Michelle had 17 carries, which is good because Rex Burkhead came back and played in this game. So you're kind of curious as to how the split was going to be. So he still had 17 carries. Only wound up having 63 yards, but you know it's a tough matchup when you're playing the Minnesota Vikings. Didn't have a touchdown to go with it. He's going to be a high-end RB2 more times than not. So I'm not worried about Sony Michelle moving forward. But Julian Edelman had two carries in this game and took that for 35 yards. James White had six carries in this game for 26 yards. Rex Burkhead had seven carries in this game for 20 yards. Cordell Patterson had a carry for six yards. James Devlin had four carries for five yards and two touchdowns as the fullback in the red zone. That was really the main Sony Michelle killer of this game was the fact that they gave him two handoffs inside of the one-yard line for touchdowns. Tom Brady scrambled twice for five yards as he went forward. But... 
They ran the ball so much in this game. Now, they were up the whole time. That was their game plan. They wore down the clock as much as they possibly could. It was a good offense that they were playing against. It was a smart game plan, but there's not going to be too many games where you get to see this many people involved carrying the ball just in the rushing game. In the receiving game, they made sure everybody got theirs there as well. James White, nine targets, seven catches, 92 yards. He was the leading receiver for the team. Josh Gordon, he only had three targets, but he made the most out of them. Had three catches for 58 yards and a touchdown he had the toughest matchup against Xavier Rhodes in this game and the one play that he scored the touchdown on was the one play Xavier Rhodes actually charred off to the sideline so it was just kind of a tough matchup that why that's why he wasn't as involved but Josh Gordon also shows you why he doesn't need that many opportunities to be fantasy relevant because it just takes one play for him and in this game 58 yards and a touch that's 11.8 uh, points in standard league, 14.8 points in PPR leagues. You'll be just fine with that for being a low-end wide receiver two, high-end wide receiver three with more upside than that, of course. Cordell Patterson, two catches, 53 yards on two targets. He's somebody who's now going to be completely phased out of this offense as far as fantasy production goes. Rob Gronkowski, he still looks very banged up to me. That's the thing about Gronk. He just doesn't look like himself still. Still looks like a shell of himself, quite frankly, if you ask me. He had four targets in this game, three catches, 26 yards. Rob Kronkowski, I know tight end's a shit show, and with the Patriots, and you know at any point they may wind up targeting Gronkowski a bunch and he can work in the red zone, but I almost feel uneasy having to lean on Rob Gronkowski in my starting lineups right now for fantasy purposes. Now, I don't know who you're going to play that's better, of course, but if you have a streaming option that you've had with Gronk being banged up and you have a second tight end that has been pretty consistent and pretty decent for you in his role with his team, you might have to think about starting to bench Rob Gronkowski in the playoff time. It's a weird time to do it, but you might have to. He just doesn't look like himself and hasn't really been that productive over the past month, even when he's played. Julian Edelman here, he had the most target, he had the second most targets on the team, excuse me. Eight targets here, three catches, 25 yards. He's usually going to have a better day than that. Julian Edelman to me is a uh, wide receiver, a low end wide receiver two in PPR leagues. In standard leagues, uh, he's a wide receiver three. I don't know how much I'm trusting him as a wide receiver two in a standard league. He's just not a guy who's going to score a lot of touchdowns. He's not going to go over 100 yards a ton. He does have games like this where he gets heavily targeted, but doesn't get that much away yards like 25 yards here so PPR leagues he is a lower end wide receiver too but in standard leagues he is a wide receiver three flex play for the most part Chris Hogan continues to be irrelevant just a little side note for you on that one. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year I was only playing for fun so winning this was a dream come true Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience it's serious fun with over 80 casino style games to choose from you too could win life changing amounts of cash be like Mary log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl that's ChumbaCasino.com no purchase necessary void or prohibited by law 18 plus terms and conditions apply see website for details the voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner start a journey not a fad kick off your fitness journey with up to $500 off Peloton bike bike plus or tread packages choose the package that will take your training to the next level with accessories like our cycling shoes heart rate band non-slip grip dumbbells and more join now and you'll see why 92% of households that start the year with Peloton are still active a year later all access membership separate offer ends January 8th 2023 excludes bike bike plus and tread basics see additional terms at onepeloton.com one that'll wrap up that game so now let's move on we have the 49ers and we have the Seattle Seahawks Seahawks absolutely romped the 49ers was expected to do so. Look, the 49ers don't have a lot of talent right now. They're banged up all across the board. Apparently, Matt Breida wound up uh, injuring his ankle in pregame warm-ups. So he still started the game. He still came in that first drive. And, of course, they didn't tell anybody about it. But that was why he only wound up having five carries for six yards in this game. Uh, and I believe, yes, he had three. He still wound up with three catches and 51 yards in the passing game. So he still wound up having a, a not-dud game at the end of the day, even with the ankle injury, but eventually Jeff Wilson Jr. just took over, and their game plan was definitely to throw it to the running backs, because Jeff Wilson Jr. came in, 
Eight catches, 73 yards on nine targets. He also tacked on 15 carries for 61 yards. He was on the waiver wire segment uh, yesterday. I'm sure a lot of you took notice, especially when the news came out earlier today that Matt Breida had been is already ruled out for Week 14. So. And they could activate Alfred Morris. We'll have to see what happens with that. We'll know more later on in the week. But as it stands now and where they are in their season, if this Jeff Wilson Jr. kid is somebody they are truly uh, excited about, as they say, and want to see what he has possibly for moving forward, then I don't see why you don't just give him all the work. You already know what Alfred Morris is. There's no reason to continue to keep giving him the ball. Now, Jeff Wilson did get a little nicked up in this game, but came right back in, so it's nothing too serious to worry about. I just think they may there's a there's a decent chance this may be the first time all year we see a 49ers running back just pretty much get all of the work or at least 90% of the work. So definitely a pickup you want to have. They don't have great matchups uh, for the playoffs. Uh, they have the Broncos coming up. They got Seattle again in week 15, although he just had a really good game against Seattle, so it may not be as bad of a matchup as you think, and that one will be in San Francisco. So it, they don't have a lot of great key matchups coming up, but if he's going to get a ton of work in that system that features the running back the way they do, he could be a low in RB2, definitely a high-end volume flex play for sure. Dante Pettis also was on the waiver wire segment because in this game, he goes five catches, 129 yards, two touchdowns on seven targets. Look, Marquise Goodwin might come back next week. Pierre Garcon, I think, is less likely to do so, but in theory could come back from his knee injury at some point. Dante Pettis has had two really good back-to-back games. We don't know if Garcon or Goodwin are going to come back this week. or any. And in Garcon's case, I don't know if he comes back at all the rest of this year just because I don't really see what the point would be, quite frankly. Uh, Pettis has shown a he showed a spark earlier on in the season before he wound up getting injured. He's starting to show that spark again here. I don't know why you don't just keep playing the rookie and get him developed and more playing time and have him ready to go moving forward because Dante Pettis to me is a legitimate starting NFL wide receiver and an explosive one at that in the right situation. So I think they should continue to use him. Definitely somebody you want to pick up as a boomer bust uh, wide receiver three who could hit a home run for you. George Kittle in this game six catches seventy yards on nine targets still tied for the most on the team and targets he is still the most dependable pass catcher the san francisco 49ers have and continues to be a tight end one for them as well kendrick Bourne, just to mention him as well he also gets to start here with both of garcon and goodwin out but he for once again was the second fiddle to dante pettis he had six targets four catches 60 yards he just continues to be somebody you can go ahead and leave on your waiver wire and not worry about On the Seahawks side of the ball, Wilson didn't have to do much in this game, but he was only 11 for 17, only 185 yards, but still had four passing touchdowns in this game. Didn't have any interceptions. So you still wind up having, this was a matchup in which a lot of people I know would have played Russell Wilson. They have him. Uh, you drafted him high to try to play him. It's matched because San Francisco is why you drafted him as part of it because of his division play. Um, wasn't high volume, but because he got you those four passing touchdowns, he still got you a pretty good day. Did tack on just 14 rushing yards as well. Chris Carson, he dislocated his finger in this game, but reportedly is going to be fine. He did come back in the game. He reportedly is going to be fine for next week as well. Uh, dislocated, depending on where it is and how bad of a dislocation it is, uh, really can, can especially a, a type of runner like Chris Carson, who's not really a pass catcher, it could really be non-effective to them uh, from week to week. So I'm not expecting there to be too many issues here for Chris Carson moving forward, being able to carry the ball and holding on to it and being a fumbling issue. I don't think that any of that is going to be a problem for Chris Carson here moving forward. He's got 13 carries for 69 yards. Didn't have a touchdown in this one. That actually wound up going to Rashad Penny, who had seven carries for 65 yards and a touch in this game. I uh, just kind of like broke that 20 20 yarder there and they kind of got the turnover and set them back up and then Rashad Penny just came in real quick. This is still Chris Carson's backfield as far as volume goes in most situations but they were blowing out the 49ers by a ton uh, pretty early on in this game so he got a little bit more work than I think he would have had the game been closer. Look, Russell Wilson only completed 11 passes so there's not going to be a lot of production to go around for the receiving core. 
But because there were so many touchdowns, there were some things to take note of. Jaron Brown had two touchdowns in this game, three catches, 67 yards on three targets. Not somebody who I'm going to be looking at for waiver wire pickups. But Tyler Lockett was somebody I think a lot of people would have played. And thankfully, he had a big 52-yard touchdown grab to save his fantasy day because he only had two targets total on the day anyway. Doug Baldwin comes back, only had two catches for 22 yards on four targets, but did get a touchdown in this game as well, uh, showing that he is still a red zone threat when it comes to Russell Wilson and the Seattle Seahawks. And nice, uh, nice to see him score after pretty much getting passed over from a couple of really good, what should have been a couple of really good red zone looks last week against the Carolina Panthers. Uh, Chris Carson was a little bit more involved in the passing game than he normally is. He had four targets for three catches and 39 yards. That's not something you will be able to uh, count on week in and week out. You just look for him to get his volume rushing the football, of course. That'll bring us to the Sunday night game. We got the Chargers and we got the Steelers and we have the unfortunate news of James Conner. First, they come out and say it's just a late contusion and everyone got their hopes up like, all right, awesome. He might be able to play this week in week 14. And then Mike Tomlin comes out to say, well, like, well, actually, it's a lot worse than I thought. It's really an ankle sprain. Now, of course, annoyingly enough, the douchebag doesn't decide to clarify what type of ankle sprain, you know, low ankle sprain, high ankle sprain, something along those lines would have been very useful to know. We still don't know that part part of it yet. I'm sure we'll find out as the week goes on, but the important part is that he's already ruled out for week 14. So I talked about Jalen Samuels. He was on my waiver wire segment yesterday. Of course, with the news of that breaking this morning, he became pretty much the number one waiver wire pickup for anybody uh, involved there. Steven really is probably still going to get some work. And I know I've talked about before how the Steelers typically feature just one running back. That's usually what they do. But in this situation, I wouldn't be surprised if it was a 60-40 split, 60 to Jalen Samuels, maybe 40 to Steven Ridley. If Samuels gets hot, I do think there's a chance that it could tip tip the scales into Samuels' favor where he could maybe become more of a featured workhorse back. Uh, We'll see how it happens. I think going into it, though, and Tomlin said going into it that their intention, and I want to emphasize the key word that he said in that sentence, his intention is that they're going to be running back by committee. So I do think that's going to be the game plan going in, and then we'll see You know, if Samuels gets really hot, then I could see it going the other way. Even if Steven Ridley was to get hot, Jalen Samuels will still be involved on passing down situations because he's just such a more fluid better pass catcher and a better pass blocker than Steven Ridley is. So he will definitely have that role. And being that the Steelers are a pass first team, that guarantees him uh, the majority of the work or at least majority of the snaps anyway, right there. Uh, and just a matter of what is he able to do running the football as well. Okay, so now we got Antonio Brown, 10 catches, 154 yards, a touchdown. He winds up having the big game that Juju Smith-Schuster had the week before. We know either Brown or Schuster is going to go off, and we know there's going to be games where both of them go off. There's a lot of volume of passing, especially in this game that wound up being 33-30 in the Chargers' favor. But most games, the Steelers have gone with the game plan. They want to spread you out predominantly pass first run second. That's pretty much how it's been, especially for the past month uh, or so, even with James Conner in the game. There's plenty of volume to go around. He had 13 targets in this game. Juju Smith-Schuster still had nine targets in this game, so the volume was there. He only winds up getting six catches for 49 yards, no touchdowns, but the volume is still there for him to have his opportunities. Vance McDonald continues to be a streaming tight end. He didn't have great production in this one. Only four catches for 28 yards, but he had seven targets. It continue In this type of pass-first offense, that kind of volume keeps him in the lower-end tight end one discussion. Uh, the one thing about Vance McDonald is he's not as involved in the red zones maybe you'd like to see him be but uh you're still going to take his production in that offense for sure Jalen Samuels when he did come in this game when James Conner got banged up afterwards did have three catches for 20 yards and a touchdown in the receiving game so that's what I'm talking about when I say he's definitely going to have that role over Steven Ridley because he has already established himself as a good pass catcher and that's why he was already getting some work even when James Conner was in the game to spell him as well 
On the Chargers side of the ball, Phillip Rivers continues to be very solid. 26 of 36, 299 yards, two touchdowns, no interceptions. You were kind of thinking in a game against the Pittsburgh Steelers with no Melvin Gordon that he might have a little bit of a higher ceiling, but just wasn't the case, and it's not been really his game all year. While Phillip Rivers has been very, very good from game to game, it's been an incredibly high floor. He doesn't have a really big boom ceiling to count on. He just doesn't throw the ball down the field enough for that to take place. A lot of it is intermediate throws to Keenan Allen, short dump offs to Austin Eckler with a sprinkle of bombs to either Tyrell Williams or Mike Williams, whichever one is feeling up to snuff that particular day. I'm, I'm pretty sure Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams draw straws before the game to see, like, all right, are you, are you going to catch the bomb this week, or am I going to catch the bomb this week? And then I think Travis Benjamin even tries to come in there with his own straw, like, hey, what about me? I can run deep, too. Uh, I know it's a bad joke there, but kind of illustrates my point of you never know which one of them it's going to be, so that's why you can't really depend on any one of them. It wound up being Mike Williams who had the three catches, 52 yards in this game, and Tyrell Williams only had one catch of 14 yards, but that could easily go the opposite direction uh, next week as well. Keenan Allen was the only receiver worth talking about in this particular game as he had 14 catches for 148 yards, a touchdown on 19 targets. The second most targeted player was Austin Eckler with eight. 19 targets and the second most was eight. Keenan Allen was all over the place in this game. They lined him up all over the field in the slot and everywhere else. He's been on a tear for the past month or so, as it is anyway. But they have gone, after a stretch of not utilizing Keenan Allen enough, they have gone back the other direction where he is featured all over the field for the Chargers passing attack. Especially now with Melvin Gordon out, they seem to want to use him even more so in those intermediate short area throws and get him. who He is their best playmaker with Melvin Gordon out. Out, the ball more in his hands, of course. And they now, of course, this had a lot to do with game flow as well because the Chargers were down, were getting dominated. Really, if you didn't see this game on Sunday night, they were getting dominated in the first half by the Pittsburgh Steelers on both sides of the ball, especially. And the second half was just like it was a whole different ball game, and the Chargers came back and returned the favor and started dominating the Pittsburgh Steelers. But the deficit was already done; they were having to come back from behind, so they were throwing the ball quite a bit. And Keen Allen was just getting fed over and over and over again in this game. Uh, it was really quite impressive. Look, with Melvin Gordon out, we know they're going to throw the ball a little bit more. Justin Jackson had 8 carries for 63 yards and a touchdown, while Austin Eckler had 13 carries for 21 yards. The rushing game is just not as effective without Melvin Gordon. Now, at the end of the day, it's still 21 carries for the team entirely, but they are going to be more of a pass-first team still with Melvin Gordon out. So that means more added work for Keenan Allen as long as Gordon is out. Plus, the fact that Melvin Gordon himself usually demands about 8 to 10 targets in a game this, this year on top of it. So those are also targets that gets to be more divvied out between Eckler and Keenan Allen as well. So something just to keep in mind here uh, with Melvin Gordon. We'll see how long his timetable is. I, I heard some reports about him trying to come back for next week. I don't see that being the case with the MCL injury. He's going to miss at least this week. Week 15, week 16, returning in one of those weeks I think is very likely for him. But I do not see a return of Melvin Gordon for this week upcoming here. All right, so let's get to the last game of the podcast, the Monday night football game, the domination game of the Philadelphia Eagles over the Washington Redskins, 28-13. to But this final score, I think, is actually a little bit misleading because the Eagles dominated even more so than the score would indicate. Of course, the Redskins suffer yet another season-ending blow to their quarterback position. Colt McCoy breaking his fibula now. I don't I don't know what's going on with the fibulas and the quarterbacks of the Washington Redskins, but they're snapping in half, so they need to work on some bone structure or something, get those bones stronger somehow, drink some more milk, anything, because right now they can't afford to lose another quarterback. Mark Sanchez came in as the replacement. He had been the third string. He's only been there for a couple of weeks. Uh, the word today was they were bringing Josh Johnson back for a visit today for a workout to see if he would wind up being the backup to Mark Sanchez. Uh, why? I don't know. Uh, but Mark Sanchez is going to be the starting quarterback for the Washington Redskins next week. I did not think we would ever see Mark Sanchez play another game in the NFL. I cannot believe we're here at this position with the Washington Redskins with how things have gone for them so poorly. But what does that mean? 
because there's guys who get affected by this. Adrian Peterson only had nine carries in this game for 98 yards and a touchdown, and 90 of that came on one very, very impressive run. But the fact that he had 90 yards on one carry and finished the game just with 98 yards is the part that you're a little bit... uh, little bit upset by look in this game they were only down 14 to 13 going into the half it was really the second half where the Eagles came out scoring wise and blew them out so they weren't in a position where they were having to throw the ball an abnormal amount for the Washington Redskins but they didn't run the ball as much as they normally do and considering Adrian Peterson was at least at least found success on one of the plays didn't seem to get too many opportunities after that even Chris Thompson in his first game back he only had three carries in this game so it wasn't like he was hindering Adrian Peterson from getting work in the rushing game at all. Uh, Three carries, three yards on that. In the passing game, he had three catches for 18 yards only. Uh, The thing that you want to take away from that is Adrian Peterson was not involved in the receiving game at all. Now, Not that he's ever a big factor, but he would sometimes get one to three catches and add on a few extra yards. A pad his stats up nice for fantasy purposes. So with Chris Thompson back, he wasn't involved at all. It's a little bit alarming because now you're totally dependent on on them volume running the football, which is going to have to be the game plan on Mark Sanchez being the starting quarterback, but a little disappointing that it really should have been the game plan this week, and it didn't really come to fruition in a game in which, score-wise, they weren't really getting blown out until the Eagles put up two touchdowns in the fourth quarter. Uh, Josh Doxson was the leading receiver on the day. He had five targets, three catches, 51 yards. Jordan Reed also had five targets. Thompson had five targets with his three catches. But Jordan Reed had four catches in this game, 21 yards only. Uh, It was just a couple of dump-offs from Mark Sanchez. It was the only way he got involved. He was supposedly suffering from a back injury. He looked okay to me. There was a couple of times where we got to see him run down the sideline, and he looked like he was pretty healthy to me. Didn't look too hindered by the injury. I just don't know how you trust Jay, uh, and Jameson Crowder. Don't want to forget him. He came back in this game as well. He had four targets, four catches, 36 yards. Outside of AP being a volume-based low-end RB2, I don't know how you trust anybody on the Washington Redskins right now with Mark Sanchez as the starting quarterback. They're playing the Giants next week, so it's a matchup you're going to have to take a closer look at. It's not as, you know, it's not a very good defense there, but still talking about Mark Sanchez here. And then on top of it, uh, playing the Giants, playing a New York team next week. I I just don't know how you trust anybody. The main guy you're talking about here, of course, is Jordan Reed because the tight end situation, the way it is, you're looking for guys who are viable. He looked like with Colt McCoy, he had started getting back to getting more volume uh, that he had been getting earlier, very early on in the season and just didn't get again with Alex Smith really for the majority of the season. Uh, had 70 something, uh, 75 yards, I believe, last week. So you're hoping he was getting back to being more utilized as a weapon for the Washington Redskins because somebody has to be. Somebody has to make plays in that passing game down the field. Jordan Reed should be your biggest mismatch that you have on the field, and they have refused to pretty much utilize him the way they should this entire year. And in this game, you got four catches and you got five targets, so you got the volume we're looking for in those two categories, but only 21 yards and still not another touchdown. The the lack of touchdowns have really been disappointing for Jordan Reed, being that he has been healthy and hasn't missed a game all year long. Uh, so something to think about, and Mark Sanchez is really hard to trust anybody in this situation, but I don't know if you're going to have better options than Jordan Reed unless you already had picked up somebody earlier on in the season. On the Eagles' side of the ball, this could be the game in which the Eagles' offense finally turns the corner and gets to the point where they were supposed to be this entire year. Carson Wentz here is 27 of 39, 306 yards, two touchdowns, one interception. He looked good in the entire game. Uh, and this isn't a bad Washington Redskins defense. Now, we know sometimes they seem to have lapses and they just completely collapse on each other. But when they want to play hard, they are a pretty pretty tough defense to be able to do anything offensively against. And the Eagles have been coming into this game as an offense that still just had not been in rhythm yet. Uh, Josh Adams, once again, has 20 carries for 85 yards in this game. Didn't get a rushing touchdown but is definitely the lead back. They finally have that in Josh Adams. What you expected Jay Ajayi to be, I think Adams can be and put up similar type of production, especially given matchups uh, across the board. 
Darren Sproles came back in this game, but was not involved at all in the passing game, which was really quite weird. But he did score a touchdown. Four carries, 22 yards, and a touchdown in this game. So a nice little 14-yard scamper out of him, too. I would suspect, as long as he didn't suffer any re-aggravations of the injury in that game, which was not reported, and as long as he doesn't wind up hurting himself again in practice like he did this past time when he was out for another few weeks when he was supposed to come back earlier on in the season, I would think that Darren Sproles will start to get more involved in the passing game and replace Corey Clement on that front soon but in this game that was not the case and not something that I would really pick up Darren Sproles and hold on and wait for to happen we're no longer in wait mode now that we are in the first round of the playoffs going into week 14 Golden Tate Golden Tate lives look he has seven targets he had eight targets back-to-back weeks before this week has seven targets again so he's been getting a healthy volume but the production and the opportunities on those targets really had not been there but in this game seven catches on those seven targets 85 yards and a touchdown he looks like he's fully involved in this game he looks like he has gotten a rapport now with Carson Wentz he looked much better in this matchup uh, much better in with this offense in general as the offense itself was rolling a lot better uh, all Sean Jeffrey continues to be a disappointment. Three catches, 31 yards on five targets in this game. He's starting to become a boomer bust, a touchdown boomer bust wide receiver three. Uh, that's the number he's been putting up. I still consider Alshon Jeffrey to be a wide receiver two. He still should be the number one, at least perimeter wide receiver of the Philadelphia Eagles. I kind of figured Golden Tate would take away some targets from him, but I didn't think he would go this long without scoring again, as him and Zach Ertz should still be the go-to red zone options for Carson Wentz, but Carson Wentz hasn't been throwing for that many touchdowns either as of late. So like I said, but in general, this is a turning turning point possibly for the Philadelphia Eagles offense, and I think we're going to see Carson Wentz Wentz get back to throwing for two to three touchdowns a game. That'll open up opportunities for Alshon Jeffrey and Zach Ertz to get back into the end zone, something that has been lacking over the past few weeks. Ertz, once again, was a very good tight end one, the top two tight end with him and Travis Kelsey. Ten targets in this game, nine catches, 83 yards. Uh, you're not going to complain with that kind of production out of any tight end, and he continues to be one of the top-end guys there. The surprising thing to me was that Nelson Aguilar had eight targets in this game, four catches for 56 yards, out-targeted Alshon, out-targeted Golden Tate even. Uh, you know they're going to use three receiver sets. It does look like Nelson Aguilar is going to be that guy. I know Jordan Matthews the one who got the score, but he only had two targets in this game. He really wasn't involved other than winding up getting the touchdown at the end of the game there. Uh, it was When they went through receiver sets, it was Aguilar, it was Tate, it was Jeff. Jeffrey. I would suspect moving forward, those eight targets that Aguilar got will start to go to Alshon Jeffrey rather than Nelson Aguilar more times than not. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna think Aguilar as well is going to be somebody who's gonna be a viable wide receiver three anytime soon. It's it's Alshon Jeffrey. Golden Tate is somebody you can trust to play in a right matchup now. I don't know that matchup is against the Cowboys next week, but we'll get into that in the preview matchup on Thursday as well. And we know Josh Adams is gonna get the bulk of his work. Too. So we know now moving forward, if this is a sign of things to come for the Philadelphia Eagles offense, uh, there may be fantasy points to have at the right time in the fantasy playoffs for them. That's going to wrap up this podcast. Remember, like I said, week thir- week 14 preview, the full preview is going to be aired on Thursday. There won't be a Friday episode. I won't be around to record, but I will be around all weekend long and all week long at MDFF Show on Twitter. Make sure you have the player up-to-date notifications set so you're getting all of the information you need in a very crucial week to start the playoffs, of course. And we will have a start sit segment on Thursday, so at MDFF. FF show on Facebook and on Twitter. I promise I will answer all of your questions and pull a handful of questions to put on the show as well. I'm your host, Dan Mater, and I will see you guys on Thursday. Heat wave ahead. For four days only, it's the sizzling hot summer sale at JCPenney. Thursday through Sunday, shop select men's and women's tees in all new bright colors. Just $5 for her and $7.99 for him. Plus, pick up select Home Expressions bath towels, two for $7. All these deals and no coupon needed. Hurry in, but stay cool. These deals are sizzling. JCPenney. Offers valid 627 to 630. Exclusions apply. See store jcp.com for details. Get enhanced security for your Wi-Fi network with Xfinity XFi. If it's connected, it's protected. That's simple, easy, awesome. Go online, call 1-800-XFINITY, or visit today. Restrictions apply. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 